Just um, as we're singing that song, there's uh, one of the bits there that talks about the wind and the waves. Um, what is it? So let go of my soul and trust in him. The waves and wind still know his name. And this is us thinking about that um, and then obviously the mountain parts in it. As we're singing those songs, it's not always just a song, you know what I mean? There's bits of the Bible scattered in that that if you if you sort of read through it, you'll go, yeah, that's right. Um, Jesus said, you know, if you have faith, you can speak to that mountain and it'll be cast into the sea. Um, and then there's another time when the disciples were out and Jesus was asleep in the boat and uh, a big storm came up and they were all afraid. And Jesus woke up and said, what's wrong with you guys? You know, why are you so afraid? Don't you have any faith? And then he just said to the wind and the waves, be still. And it happened. And so that's talking about that. That, that power that he had in the authority, even over the wind and waves. And just as I was thinking about that, I just feel like there's people, some people, I don't know, that that might be the case in their life where you feel like that, that storm is just so great. Everything around you seems in turmoil and you're like, I just cannot see a way through. So when you say, when, you, when we're seeing that part there, there that says, so let go of my soul and trust in him, a little while ago we taught about what the soul is, the mind, intellect and emotions. And they can betray us. They can make us feel as though we're in this place that we're not when we're in Christ because we have to let our spirit man rule. We have to understand the word of God and who he is. And so as we're singing that song, it's like, let go, stop it, mind, stop. You're going to places that aren't godly. You're going in places that seem so turmoil. Um, But guess what? The waves and winds still know his name. The name of Jesus is above all of that. And I don't know if there's anyone here that feels like that this morning, but the way I'm feeling is that it's like a... It's actually a, a point of I've almost lost faith. You haven't really lost faith, but what you've hap- what's happened is that you've allowed your soul to dominate your spirit. And sometimes that can happen for so long that it feels like we have no connection to God anymore. It's like, uh, is God even there? And this morning, I just want to pray for you, um, you people, if there's people um, that might be in that situation, I'm just going to pray. And if that's you, I just want you to just join in with this prayer and just really say, yeah, God, that's me. I want that mountain removed out of my life. There's things that my mind is telling me can't change. Um, there's situations that I'm in that I feel like I'm so lost. But God's saying, guess what? The waves and wind still know his name. He speaks through us. This is the funny thing, you know, like Jesus has the authority. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, the Bible says, and that speaks of authority and power, and it even talks about that. And Jesus said, and I'm giving you authority. Those who believe, I'm giving you authority. Take your place as one who rules and reigns in this life, not as a, as a, as a uh, earthly king, but one who can rule and reign over circumstances. The Bible says that. We are kings. We're to rule and reign in life. What does that mean? That we're meant to take, you know, a scepter and a crown and walk around on the boss? No. What it's saying is that situations, the devil, situations cannot dominate you as you push into Christ because he has given you the authority. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you in Jesus' name that you are all-powerful. Father God, that you are above everything. Lord, the Bible declares that you alone are God. And Jesus, you have the authority and you've given it to us. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I just want to speak to the mountains in people's lives. And Father, I just pray right now that the turmoil would stop. We just command the wind and the waves to cease in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for it right now. I just pray for release on people that are in that place. But Lord, not just a release from that, but Lord, a birth of, of fire again within their belly for the things of God. Lord, that there would just become an excitement and an expectancy that you're going to act on their behalf. And I just thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So this week, last week we, I can't remember what we looked at, something <laughs> so long ago. None of you guys remember? I don't remember. No, I do sort of. <laughs> Being bold. Awesome. Well done. Accessing God, making sure you get into that place. Um, this year I wanted to talk about, um, I guess, being a Christian first. Okay, so I don't know if you guys remember a bloke named Stephen Siegel, Siegel, Seagal, whatever, Cigar, <laughs> Stephen Cigar. No, no, I'm not talking about him, I'm Seagull. <laughs> He's different. He's a cook. He's made some really terrible movies and um, if you notice all his movies, he never even gets hit. It's like, you know, don't touch the hair. It's like, and they're all dead and he's walking around. Never seen him in an even fight. He must be amazing. Um, but anyway, there's a movie that he made a while ago um, where he was on a naval ship called Under Siege. And, uh, yeah, he was a cook on the ship. So he knows away, they're cooking away, blah, blah, blah. And all these terrorists come on board and try to take over the ship. And they did not know that this man who was a chef happened to also be an ex-Navy SEAL. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Hidden inside the ship. Because everyone else was obviously hopeless on the ship. Um, but anyway, at the end of it, he's killed everyone or whatever he does, uh, chopped them and put knives in them and all that stuff. And they thought they had it all under control, but this guy just went through and he's like a one-man wrecking ball and basically saved the day. And uh, when he's looking at people that are dead, he goes, I also cook. You know, like, yeah, I also cook. <laughs> well, I sort of wanted to have a look at that in terms of a, a man in the Bible called Philip. And uh, we'll start reading about him in Acts chapter 6. Very shortly, you can put up on the screen, that's, that's fine. Um, but I was thinking that in terms of us as Christians, you know, that I also cook, what does that look like to us? Because each and every one of us has this indwelling power of the Holy Spirit living in us. Each and every one of us um, carries inside us the presence of God if we're saved and, and born again and given our hearts to Christ, inside of us is the presence of God. And I was thinking about that and I was thinking, wow, what do we have to do to be great for God? And, and oftentimes we'll define it in terms of ministry or doing amazing, great things in, in terms of like the position that I have allows me to do something. It allows me to be something. So we'll look and we'll go, well, you know, that, that person over there, that great evangelist, God can use them there because they've got that gift of evangelism or someone might have this amazing gift of hospitality and we're like, wow... You know, God can use them but can't use me. Or someone's a, a politician that's a Christian. God can use them or a sportsman that's a, a polit 
uh, sorry, not that sort of politician, that's a Christian, and, and we're looking and thinking their position gives them some credibility in this world to share the gospel, to carry Christ, yet that's not what it's about at all. And so that's why I thought of that, Stephen, what is it, Seagull? <laughs> yeah, awesome. Don't want to get it wrong, you might come and kill me. Um, yeah, how at the end of it all, he had this amazing ability inside of him that no one knew about, but it was hidden away. But afterwards, it was all revealed, you know, he was a Navy SEAL and he was amazing and he could save the day. And I thought about us in the same way. Is that what we're like in our life, that when people see us, so we might be a teacher or an um, electrician or a, a, a stay-at-home mom or whatever it might be, that people can look at us and what's the first thing that they say? So at the end of the movie, obviously everyone's looking at him going, wow, you're a Navy SEAL. And he goes... Yeah, I also cook. Do people look at us in our lives and go, wow, man, they are an awesome Christian. Yeah, and I also teach. Yeah, and I also fix electrical wires. Yeah, and I also sell cars. Yeah, I also work in an early learning centre. Yeah, I also stay at home and, and look after my kids and bring them up in God's ways. What's the first thing that people would say when they saw you? Would they say, man, that that guy, that lady, they're an awesome Christian. I can look at their lives and, and you know what else? They can look after prisoners real good. They're, the, they're amazing at their job. They're great at everything they do. There's an excellent spirit behind all that they do. But the first thing that they're known for is this quality of Christ-likeness, something that power hidden within. Is that us? Or do we sort of try and go the other way around and, and define it, you know, like, and so often we do this and it's foolish anyway um, in, in terms of like, wow, he's an amazing football player. Oh, they're also a Christian. Oh, they're an amazing actor. They're also a Christian. Oh, she's an amazing swimmer. She's also a Christian. As if the, the power of God becomes less than the position or the title or, or the label that is on us. Isn't that pretty sad, really? To, to think that we could define ourselves more by what we do than who we are in Christ. That we could define ourselves by, by our job or our skill set or whatever it might be, more than I can see Christ shining through that person. There's a power that's hidden within, and when I talk to them... I begin to change my life. Yeah, they're great at their job. They're, they're excellent at what they do. But it's when I talk to them that there's this release of something in them that when I talk to them, it's like there's something about that person that is so attractive, that is so amazing. I can look at their life. They seem so peaceful, content. They're just always um, uplifting. They don't gossip. They don't go out and, and do damage to other people and get drunk and sleep around and whatever it might be. But they're, they've got integrity. They don't cheat. Their bills are always fair. Why is that? Well, that's right, that guy's a Christian. So that when they get you, they go, I can trust that person. They're a Christian. They're a man or woman of integrity and I can trust them because first of all, they're a Christian. But I tell you what, I want to get them to do my job, not because they're just a Christian... You know how sometimes we get fooled by that sort of stuff? Put a fish on your car and all of a sudden you're a Christian 
and we should just get you to do the job, even though it's sloppy and, and you overcharge us and all that sort of stuff. But the fish, we've got to support one another, us fish. <laughs> anyway, you get what I'm saying? We have this power within us that's meant to be shown to everyone. But that should be the first thing. So let's have a look at Stephen in, in Acts... Um, sorry... Philip, in Acts chapter 6, and Stephen, he's actually got his name mentioned here. <laughs> but as, <laughs> yeah, it's probably a different Stephen. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of the believers, and they said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected, full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we, the apostles, can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. Okay, everyone liked this idea, and they brought these names in, and they picked seven men. And the qualities that they were looking for weren't the qualities that we always think of, you know. But also, in many ways, it was like a menial task. They also cooked. Do you know what I mean? It's like, hey, bring the food. It's a food program that, that's being feeding the widows. But just to do that, the qualifications for this, to be filled with the Spirit, well-respected, filled with wisdom and filled with faith. They're pretty high qualifications for handing out food, aren't they? Now, I'm not saying that you have to have all those qualifications to do such a thing, but what they were saying is this, that number one, you need to recognise their Christian qualities. Who are these people? Because if we've got people representing Christ in this world and representing the church, we want them to be high-quality people. We want them to be well-respected, filled with wisdom and filled with faith. So that was it. It wasn't just talent. It wasn't just filled with charisma. It wasn't just filled with, you know, um, amazing star quality or or great athlete, or whatever it might be, but these are the qualities we're looking for. The apostles were meant to be reading the word and, and growing in that so that they could keep preaching and teaching people about Christ. And none of them complained. It doesn't say the seven men were chosen and one said, hey, listen, that's really below my faith scale. That's below what God's called me to do, so you know what... Um, I'm just going to pass that one up. There's an amazing heart of service, obviously, in these men that were chosen at this time to say, you know what, whatever it is, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, I'm going to serve where God wants me to serve. And it's not a great thing. So let's fast forward five years later. Five years after in Acts chapter 8, Stephen, who was also one of the ones that was chosen, not Sagal, was killed, stoned to death. And there's a guy called Saul standing watching. And this man later became Paul after his conversion to Christianity. And so what happened was the church started to get scattered. Okay, so when Jesus left the earth, what did he say? He said, go preach the gospel in um, all the world. Um, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. 
But five years later, we see the gospel was still contained in Jerusalem. So it was pretty much just there, you know. And then persecution arose. So what happened is the Christians began to spread out throughout these places that God said, you need to go and preach there. Maybe they were not obedient to start with, and so God used such a a case to push them out beyond the boundaries that they'd made. But what happened was Philip, the same guy who was waiting on tables, started to show this power of God that was in him. You see, sometimes we think that just because we're in a menial place, carrying out a menial task, that God can't use us. As though just because my job might be cleaning or an office person or whatever it might be, that my greatness is just hidden away. But our greatness is not in where we are, it's in whose we are. The one we belong to, the one who lives inside of us that fills us with that power. Philip understood this. So we'll, we'll read this. Um, so what verse am I reading from? I don't know. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear the message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they, as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So we see here a guy who we would say was a waiter of tables, doing a food program, but listen to his life. All of a sudden, he's out preaching the gospel. Now, he would have done it in between, there's no doubt about it. But we start to see a snapshot of who he really was, not what he was defined as. He's someone who just works in a food program. Yeah, but guess what? He's someone who works in a food program that has the Holy Spirit living inside of him that started to walk in the works that God had called him to do. And he was preaching the gospel wherever he went. And notice what happened at the end. So, so there was great joy in the city. As the gospels preached, it should bring joy to the city, not condemnation, not guilt, not rot, but joy. Because what happened? Lame were healed. People had evil spirits out of their life, whatever it might be. And the gospel was preached and people began to get saved. What an amazing thing was happening. In fact, it was so big that Peter and John came out from Jerusalem to check it out. What's going on? What's happening? And they found out and they they laid hands on them and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was pretty awesome, but then they went home. So we're going to pick up some more about Philip a little bit later on. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Are we up there yet on the screen? <laughs> As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under, the, under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch... Sorry, that doesn't make sense, doesn't it? The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning... Seated in his carriage, he was reading about the, from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. 
The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And I'll leave it there. But as they went along, they found some water and he got baptised. Pretty awesome. This man then took the gospel back to Ethiopia. Isn't that cool? A man who waited on tables sent the gospel to Ethiopia, where the church was born, in Ethiopia. Now that is pretty awesome. Yet sometimes we look at ourselves and we think, but I can be of no significance at all. But Philip showed some characteristics that were amazing in in the fact that he started to listen to God and do what God asked him to do in the situation he was in. And there's no difference for any one of us. It comes down to this, listening to and obeying the voice of God and then seeing what God is up to. It's not always going to be clear. It's not always going to be, you know, the road ahead and this and this and this and this and hallelujah. Everything's happened exactly as God told me and it's done. What happened with Philip? There's things that he had to do and things that God did. God actually didn't do all that much in this situation. Firstly, an angel came to him, but it wasn't like, you know, telling him everything he's going to see. It was like, go and head down south. Go and take that road. It was a prompting, and this is obviously a very clear message to do it, but he obeyed it. Why can't God do that in your workplace, in your situation? If you are opening up your heart to say, you know, God, there is this power within me. Can I listen to your voice? Can I spend some time in the morning praying, reading the word, getting myself ready for the day and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do today? I'm opening my ears to hear exactly what you want because you never know who you might bump into, what might happen. And sometimes it's just not very clear. You might get this little feeling inside of you. I need to do something. I need to go and speak to that person. Why do I need to do that? I need to share this with them. You don't even know what it is. But faith causes us to step out where our eyes cannot see. But our spirit knows that it is God leading us. But a deaf ear can't hear anything. And we can be so spiritually deaf because we don't take the time to get to know our maker. And we don't even take the decision that we are going to get to know our maker. So that was his first prompting. So he did exactly what he was told. So so God's job, go and do something. His job, do it. Take that step of faith and go out. The next thing God did was the Spirit told him to go over to the carriage. So he did. Again, it's not really very specific. It wasn't like, go to this carriage. Now, the guy in it, he's going to be an Ethiopian eunuch and he's working for Candace the Queen and he's going to be reading this Bible. What I want you to do is point out to him exactly this, this and this. Then he's going to get baptised. He didn't know. Well, I'm not going to speak to that guy because I don't know what might happen. I'm not going to speak to that lady. I don't know if they're even going to receive the gospel. Of course you don't. Not everything's laid out for you the way you want it to be. But inside of you is this power that allows you to hear the Spirit of God. And then what happened? Philip overheard him reading. And then what did Philip do? He responded to that. God is not involved anywhere in that in terms of a specific direction or action. So God didn't say, now go and tell him what it meant. 
that was a point where this man, why? Because he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He was well-respected. He knew who he was in Christ, not because of a position he held, but because he knew God. And so what happened is his obedience came out of him knowing his father and he just started to explain to him what that passage meant. Well, who was led like a a lamb to the slaughter? I can tell you who that is. Now, what does that make you think? This guy must have spent time in the word to understand the word himself, right? So if someone was, you know, I don't know, maybe there's someone at the airport sitting down reading and this is a real story reading from a book and they don't really understand it and it's the Bible and a backpacker comes over to him and says, hey, what are you reading? It's the Bible, but I don't understand it. Here, show me. Oh, yeah, this is what that means. The guy gets saved and catches a plane and goes back to his African country as well, actually, in this book that I was reading about. The same here. What if he was reading, oh, and he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and, and Philip's sort of sitting on the edge of the carriage going, yeah, got no idea, mate. Yeah, wouldn't have a clue what that means. Yeah, you'll have to find someone else. Can you see the importance of building yourself up in the Word of God? The Bible says that we've got to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in us. Are you ready? If someone questions you about your faith, because obviously you're living this life, like I said, it's not that you're a, a great sports person and they're a Christian. It's like, your light's shining. They're a Christian and they're a great sports person. The bloke in your team comes up to, me, up to you and, look, I've had this so many times when I've been playing sport. They start talking and, what do you do? Who are you? They know very, very quickly where your faith is, how bright your, your light is shining, and you know it too. Are you hiding it under the bushel? Is it hidden away somewhere, you know, and amongst all the dirty jokes and, and whatever else goes on with sports teams, you're just one of the guys. You're just one of them. Or is there some light that shines out through you that they recognise and see? And yeah, they'll still, in fact, sometimes they go worse because they know you're a Christian. They just want to make it more disgusting because they think they're going to offend you. But you know what? How can that offend me? The sin that they have in their life that keeps them from God isn't what they do, it's because they haven't received Christ as their saviour. And I'm not here to judge anyone and you're not here to judge anyone, you're just to be the love of Christ to them. Sometimes just take it on the chin and it's all good, mate. But I'll tell you what, when people get down to it, when your life is worth questioning and they ask you the question, you need to have the answer. Philip knew the answers. He said, that, that sheep, that was Jesus. The Bible calls him the Passover lamb. He was examined for three days, just like the Passover lamb in the Old Testament, and they found no fault in him, just like the Passover lamb in the Old Testament. And so he, he was able to explain the gospel very well. So what do you do? <laughs> What do you do about that? (laughs) 
we make a decision today that we are going to become people just like those that were serving the tables back in Acts. We make a decision that whatever we do, that doesn't define us. It's that life living inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 says this, We know we have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is of God, not of ourselves. I think the New King James Version is there too. Have you got that one? Kylie? I like this, it's shortened to the point, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. What's that talking about? It's like a clay jar full of gold. On the outside, we're just like everyone else. We're just clay. You smash that clay and inside there's this treasure that lives in you and lives in me. And what we want to do is build ourselves up in God through the Word, through praying in the Holy Ghost, through prayer, through loving one another, through letting this light that's in us shine brightly so that when people ask us, they look at us and they go, yeah, they're a Christian, they also teach. They're a Christian, they also build houses. They're a Christian, they're also good at IT. They're a Christian, but they've got an awesome family as well. They're a Christian, but they're really good at finance. They're a Christian and they're a welder. They're a Christian. Oh, yeah, and they also serve the country. (laughs) Do you get it? What are you? Whatever your job is, your occupation, whatever your position in life, that's not you first. Seek first your job. No. Seek first your money. Seek first comfort. Seek first popularity. Seek first whatever it is. That's not ever first on the list. Seek first the kingdom of God because you are defined by that. Being in the kingdom, you're a son, you're a daughter of Christ, God, and a brother or sister of Christ, a joint heir with him. The promises of God are yours. The power of the Holy Spirit has been released into your life. Why? Because you're the light of the world. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world, but he also said, you are the light of the world. You're also the salt. You don't want to lose your flavour, the, the, the savour that's in you, because then you're good for nothing. And I'll close there, but just in saying that, I just want to encourage you guys, press into God. I've just seen too many Christians become apathetic and bored and never sharing the gospel. And one thing I'm noticing as I'm growing older is time after time, those that never share the gospel with anyone, they do one or two things. One is they become very religious and judgmental over people and they become deep people, deep in the word, deep in the prophecy and they isolate themselves from the world and never share the gospel or they just fizzle out because Christianity has got no meaning and it really doesn't. If we're not out there sharing the gospel, what is this all about? In whatever way you can, however you can, in your incompetence, just go and do it. Listen to the Spirit of God, study the Word of God and ask God for the answers because he will give you wisdom. If you get it wrong, it doesn't matter. 
because Philip didn't know that as he approached that, that carriage that day, whether that guy was actually going to receive the message he was giving or not. And you don't know the people that you talk to in your awkwardness, in your bumbling, in your wrong words, the Spirit of God attaches himself. And the point is this, you cannot save anyone anyway. It has to be a work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And you know what? Some of the most simple things I've said to people, they've just gone, I get it. Remember one guy, as, as we were driving along, we've been talking about some other stuff for a while, but as we were driving, I said, you know what? Do you know what Christianity is? He goes, what's that? I said, this is the message. It wasn't like we hadn't talked about God's stuff before, but I said, you know, Jesus came and he died for your sin and you receive him into your life and, and you become a child of God. And he goes... No one's ever told me it like that before. Well, do you want to become a Christian? Yeah, I think I do. (laughs) I didn't have to go through the seven signs. I didn't have to go through the plagues of Egypt and why God did this and how he created the world or this, that or the other. But honestly, it's a message of God, isn't it? The Holy Spirit attaching to that. So my simple words are this. Jesus died for you, forgive your sins, and you can become a Christian. That sounds like a great idea. I think I'll do that. Father God, we just want to thank you right now for everything you are. Lord, I thank you for every person here this morning. Lord, I just thank you that they are a Christian first. They've given their lives to you and their position is so secondary, Lord. And Father, I just thank you that you can use each and every one of us for your glory. I pray, Father God, that we'll open up our ears and our hearts to you today. Just give everything to you. In Jesus' name, amen.